0: Hi, and welcome to season three of Metaphobia Help. I'm your host, Anna Christie, licensed therapist, author, and recovered emetophobic. Trigger warning for these podcasts will be words and sometimes a story, but I try to make sure they're not too gross. For you therapists who are listening, Dr. David Russ, child psychologist, and I have a new resource website for you at emetophobia.net, and there are self-help instructions there as well if you're looking for exposure resources. Um, People with emetophobia, I have a new Facebook group that I made called Emetophobia No Panic, which has very strict rules and is more about sharing success, therapy information, and so on, more so than the other groups. If you're enjoying this podcast or you find it helpful, you can buy me a coffee for a couple of bucks or a couple of pounds. Just scroll down in the notes to see the link. I am here today with Daria from San Francisco. Hi, Daria. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. It's really good to see you. We we had a few connection problems, Daria and I, but we managed to get <laughs> get together finally. Um, I'm, I've got a little bit of a new system going here. So yeah, well, so you are a person with emetophobia, and um, we would love to hear some mm-hmm. of your stories. So why don't we start with That, tell us what it was like for you growing up and when this all started.
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of people don't really know what they have when they have it. I've just recently discovered that it's an actual condition. And that was really empowering for me personally. Like, it's not just me. I'm not just weird. So, but I just, I I have these memories from a child. Like I have a memory of my mother getting sick um, and feeling very traumatized by it. And I also have this one memory of me in my kitchen be feeling sick. I don't think I actually got sick, but I remember being on the floor of the kitchen, like scooting backwards, like so scared, just didn't know what to do. And my mom with me, like, it's okay. It's okay. And just being terrified. And it's like one of my earliest memories. So I, I just, I I know for me personally, it's nothing that happened in my life. I don't feel, I just feel like something that just kind of born with, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I agree. We're, we're definitely born with the predisposition to have anxiety and, and for it to turn into an anxiety disorder. And, Almost like lots and lots of kids are afraid of vomiting too, like, but then they don't end up with a phobia. So I don't know, you know, no one knows. really. Yeah, I know why. it's weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's unusual yeah. for sure.
1: Um, well, and I do know that in my uh, family, I do have a little bit of history of, um, of mental disorder stuff. So, you know, it could be something hereditary.
0: Yeah. That, that can be, I think, it, at least 50% of it is is some sort of genetic something. Yeah, we're not sure what exactly, mm-hmm. but it, it does tend to, not that a metaphobia runs in families, but anxiety and depression, which are very similar to one another in the brain, they or, run Or um, OCD, OCD yeah, is another OCD. thing. Yeah, Well, yeah. in fact people with emetophobia all have OCD and some have it very, very mild and some have it extremely serious. So it kind of goes on a continuum. Do you have, did you ever get diagnosed with OCD yourself?
1: Uh, no, uh, uh-uh, no. Uh, but I, I, think it's in my family. Um, and my, my actual OCD is very mild. Um, so, I don't I don't feel like I have it actually. But I do notice that there are similarities like the safety seeking behaviors and the intrusive thoughts and that sort of stuff. Like I definitely have that, but I don't have any ritual or hand washing or anything like that.
0: Right, right. You don't you don't count things and Uh, jump over cracks in the sidewalk Mm -hmm. or anything like that. I did all that when I was a kid Mm -mm. (laughs) and light switches (laughs) on and off, on and off. Yeah. So, um, and some people have um, such obsessive thoughts that they can't, you know, they feel like contaminated all the time, um, no matter really what happens to them, where they go, what they Mm -hmm. touch or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it, it can be, it can be really bad, but just for our listeners, if, you have emetophobia and you feel like, oh, maybe I have O C D as well. It's the same thing actually. They're connected somehow. We're not sure how, but they're connected closely enough that yeah, we all get these obsessive thoughts, right? That that just don't wanna stop. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now um yeah. you had you had said to me in in some of our correspondence together Daria that you wanted to talk a little bit about I think alcohol and maybe substances uh, uh, some experience you had with that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Tell us what you were what you meant by it.
1: Yeah, um so I don't know. I found myself I never really drank much when I was a teenager, but when I met my soon-to-be husband um, many years ago, like now like 25 or so years ago, he was like a party guy. So I ended up um, finding myself in like a very much of a party lifestyle. And we would go to parties a lot. And, you know, of course, being a a metaphobe, I didn't even know what it was, but I was always like on guard, you know, and like being around drunk people. And, but then I noticed the only the way to get over that is to be drunk yourself. And so (laughs) I tended, yeah, exactly. Cause once I started drinking, my anxiety went down like a lot until, but then I realized until the next day where it gets even worse, but you don't really think that I was young, you know, and like, okay, well, if I drink a lot at parties, then I won't feel anxious while I'm there. And then I Mm -hmm. just would have to suffer, you know, through, through it. And, you know, it's, it's happened. It's still like, like, I've continued in this lifestyle. I actually just got back from Burning Man of all places.
0: I I don't know what that is. What is that a?
1: Oh, it's it's a huge it's a huge party festival, like very large. Oh, really?
0: Okay, Um, burning. Yeah,
1: it's out in the desert. I'm sure you've seen photos. It's all all out in the desert. It's a bunch of people go out into the desert and Mm -hmm. listen to music and party and do lots of drugs and. But, you know, it's, it's, it does, it, but it's really fun and like, but I was really anxious about going because I've been in the past and I've always felt anxious around these crowds, but this time, and then I would be very anxious and, and but this time I decided to go completely sober and I didn't do mm-hmm. any drinking or anything. And my anxiety levels actually were way lower, which oh, really? I was surprised by. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I was, a, I had a stronger constitution, I think. And I was able, I don't know, I just think like, if I start off partying, and then my constitution gets low, and then I get anxious. And then I don't know, it's just like a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And then the only way to not feel anxious is to drink. And then it's just so it was I've lived in that vicious cycle for years and years. But I'm I'm realizing it now. I think from all the um, studying that I've been doing, actually, by realizing I actually have like a, a, a real condition, not just something made up in my head, that it, mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting better.
0: Okay. Um. So I I guess you're not certainly recommending to anyone that they use alcohol or whatever to to try to overcome their phobia or (laughs) make it better. It's, it's so, it's not funny, but it's, it's interesting. It's like some people, you know, they drink a lot and then the next day they're either sick or they have a terrible headache and terrible hangover. And, but they, yet they keep doing it. And, um, psychologists have kind of figured out that the problem is that there's too much time distance between when we're having the fun drinking and when we suffer the consequence, mm-hmm. like the next morning or whatever, even much later that night, like people that get so badly drunk and sick and it's like and then and when they're mm-hmm. getting sick, they're like, I'm never doing this again. But then they do it again because there's too much time um in between the you know we're based on Im- our brains like immediate rewards or immediate punishment and then they learn <laughs> yeah otherwise they don't learn yeah. very well But yeah 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 and so you And it it's just, also an addiction. Oh oh of course. Yes. Yeah. 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 Would you say, would you say that you had an addiction at any point in your life or um, I would,
1: yeah, definitely a uh, borderline. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. But
1: I'm, I'm not anymore, but for sure there was a time.
0: Yeah. 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 And did you do anything in particular to overcome that?
1: Um, no, I think just, age I just got over it mm-hmm. <laughs> okay my yeah, body just, is like right. just told me like no it's not don't do this anymore yeah <laughs> I'm I'm 46 now so I'm not I'm not a spring chicken and it's like I think it's their natural slow down
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it can be you look a lot but I do more. notice that <laughs> oh you thank I you I thought you were like 36 um, to be honest but I do notice <laughs> anyway
1: oh uh, uh, thank you Um, I do notice, though, that my anxiety has gone down a lot since I've stopped um, partying so much.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I've met a few, like most emetophobic people listening will perhaps not relate because they're terrified to drink or take a drug, you know, in case it makes them sick. Mm -hmm. But I do, I've had clients Mm -hmm. actually who actually had to stop Therapy and go into rehab because they were using alcohol and more than one. So you're, you're certainly not mm-hmm. alone there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does dull the senses. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it pretty much. It can be definitely. Um, have you have you had had any kind of like therapy or anything to try to work on recovering from a Um. No, but I would like to.
1: I mm. want to. I, I like. I said. I, I just figured out maybe like six months ago oh, really? that it's oh, something wow. that's treatable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Soon, that is um recent. That's very very recent. You're still probably in shock <laughs> from figuring mm-hmm. that out. Yeah. You know. It's well, and it's like
1: now that I know, I can't tell if I think about it more or less. I almost think about it more, but I think about it in a healthier way. Can you say a little more about that? You know what I mean? Like before it was something that I just had to push out of my mind and like, there's something wrong with me. I'm weird. Don't think that way. You're crazy. But now I'm like, well, no, this is an actual condition, and you can get better. So let's think about it in a positive way, and uh, think about um, and 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 then accept. Acceptance has been good. Like if I'm feeling nervous, and it's making me feel unwell or nauseous I'll be like okay well it's my nervous thoughts and that's messing with my system and just sit with it and accept Mm -hmm. it and know that it's there and don't try to fight it and that's you know that those things so I'm learning through just reading through the um, Facebook group Mm -hmm. um, just Mm -hmm. from other people and just doing my own personal studies so far, I'm I'm learning to f- have more acceptance and I feel like that's helping a
0: lot. Yeah, yeah. That you're you're a very insightful person because um one of the most recent and and um, most practiced forms of therapy is acceptance and commitment therapy act A C T, you know, for short. And it, it it's a lot about ex- accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, and accepting the amount of anxiety you have in any given moment, and just allowing it to be there, and not try to stop it or slow it down or, you know, control it. I guess, um, but rather to just accept that this mm-hmm. is. Um, I when I first read about ACT, I thought, "Oh, this is crazy! Like I, I could never have done this." Uh, but then when I had a metaphobia, I realized that I would go from like zero to 10 out of 10, like in a millisecond. And if your anxiety level, if you're having a panic attack, 10 out of 10 anxiety, you can't just accept it. Like, you know, like you, you have to kind of breathe or do something to try to relax and to bring that number down to a level mm-hmm. where you can think because eight, nine, 10, you can't really think you know your the front of your brain responsible Mm-mm, for thinking mm. kind of shuts off as it just it just goes into this you know so i don't i don't know if you have any thoughts about how high your anxiety ever went out of 10 or
1: yeah i had a recent experience that i failed miserably at and um where, where i was with my boyfriend and he had an anxiety attack. It was just, it's a long story, but mm-hmm. I was not able to be present and there and help him mm-hmm. at all. Like I, I, it sent me into a panic attack. So both of us were having a panic attack and I was trying to be the stronger person, like, but I, I couldn't, it was so difficult. And I, and all the, my, these thoughts of like, rationalities and stuff were like going through my head, but my body was just doing the exact opposite. Right. Yeah, that was kind of
0: scary. It sounds awful, to be honest. Um, It is not a failure, though. Like, don't ever describe that as a failure because you don't even know yet what you have to do to succeed. So how can you possibly fail, you know? Um, And when you're, when you're working, working away in, in therapy, very gradually, like exposure is so gradual. It should start with something so simple, like just look at the word vomit written on a page, you know, or look at a little cartoon of a guy that looks kind of green, you know, like, but when you're, Uh um, when you're, significant other is freaking out. I mean, if anything, that would be way high on what we call the hierarchy of fears. That That's a really high one. You can't possibly get yeah. to that rung on the ladder without going up all the other rungs. So it's not a failure. You were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, basically, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, but it was it was disappointing to me to know that to feel that in when I'm put up to the challenge that I wasn't able to pull through. And that makes me want to um, get therapy even more yeah. because... I I I, I want to be that person who who can be there for someone when they need help. You know, right,
0: right. And I, and I get that. You know, I understand that. I was I raised three kids. I was a basket case every time they got sick. <laughs> I would hide in the mm-hmm. basement. You know, now I've got seven grandchildren mm-hmm. and I'm fine. Um, but I yeah, you have to take it one step at a time. You know, and so don't beat yourself up for. Um, yeah, not being able to help someone in that situation because you were equally helpless, basically. Yeah. You know, uh, with the phobia yeah. that you have, And I'm saying this to you, not just to you, but to all of our listeners. You know, so many of them will identify with exactly what you said because they behave exactly the same way. Lots of people listen to this podcast that can't afford therapy. They might not even have insurance or whatever. Um, and there's some good yeah. books out right now and you can go to our website um, at ametaphobia.net and you know work through the hierarchy on your own as possible. It's not quite as good as having a therapist, but... Um, yeah, there's some good books. Um, Free Yourself from a metaphobia, I think is the best one by um Alexandre, Alexandra Keys and David Veal. So it's it's in the notes in the it should be in the um podcast notes all the time. So yeah, starting with a book. And you're in California, there's some really good therapists there who even work online and yeah. You'll you'll do great. Yeah. You'll do great. But well I actually
1: through this through this program I um signed up for it's no C D N O C D or something like that. Oh yeah. Um and I made an appointment and I you know, when the person called me, I very specifically told them that I have metaphobia. Mm-hmm. And when the therapist called me I said, are you a, a, a metaphobia therapist? And she like almost didn't even know what it was. So I was like, sorry, I just, I yeah. can't work with you. Like, no. <laughs> I, I was specific that I wanted someone. So I, yeah. I I went to the first step and I got shut right. down. <laughs> oh, that,
0: and you know what? I went through 10 therapists before I found one that could help me. Um, although in this day, and, and that's the reason why, you know, my colleague and I just wrote a book for therapists it won't be out till next April, but there aren't any, it's the first book four therapists on how to treat emetophobia. So, but if you go to my website at emetophobiahelp.org, there's a therapist list and you can go, you know, you can sort for California and you can see, yeah. And there'll be people on there. Um, I am the most delinquent person at getting names up there. And I know a lot of therapists listen to this podcast. And if you've, contacted me to put your name on the list and I haven't done it that's because I'm I don't know lazy or uh, I I can't prioritize my (laughs) now I've made a big deal out of it right on a podcast I think I will go (laughs) and look at that this afternoon now but I do have quite a few names up there but you know I've I've only got about maybe fifty five or sixty names all for people all over the world, but there really are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of therapists and anxiety centers that are treating emetophobia, and in kids, in adolescents, in adults. So keep plugging away at it. But you were smart to to you know to uh, to stop with that one before you started. I think yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm Well, one of the other things yeah. that you were going to talk about a little bit was raising teenagers with emetophobia. and I thought that was an interesting kind of angle um because I don't know anybody's talked about that on our podcast as yet. What 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 thoughts do you have on that subject? Well,
1: you know, I mean I I noticed that a, it seems that a lot of people on the hot, I mean on the Facebook group seem younger but that's probably because it's a younger person thing but and they talk a lot about you know smaller children getting mm-hmm. sick but but um it's teenagers and when they go out drinking and they, mm. they're going to call you you know you you want to be that mom like call me at any time and right. I'll be there to pick you up you know but I'm like ah uh, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I can you know it, it's it's the the threat is like almost bigger when they're teenagers exploring yeah, drinking for the first time and you have to be there right. for them. And that's a very scary, uh, thought for me. Um,
0: yeah. and I
1: did, I have a 20 year old and think luckily she never put me to the test. And <laughs> I don't know if she okay. has a metaphobia herself because she, she, I did find out she did drink and got really sick, but it wasn't at, wasn't at home. It was at someone Mm -hmm. else's home, but I never had to, but I did have to pick her up like once, but it's like, but that anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to go out to a a party or something. It's like, uh, like there is a whole bunch of anxiety that comes around that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so have, have you been in the situation at all where you had to go pick them up? Anybody up? Uh, I don't know how many no, kids you have.: uh, No,
1: no. I, I luckily, I haven't, and I, I feel very lucky by that, but I have one that's 16 now, so mm-hmm. you know maybe uh, you
0: can maybe you can we'll um, strategize around it a bit. Like if I were going to make some suggestions, I would say, "Call me anytime, and I'll send a cab for you, like seriously. You know, and that's
1: terrible, though. Is it, it terrible? I, I don't know. Uh, I feel te-
0: it's not as terrible as letting them get in the car with someone or driving home um, or whatever. Yeah, but, but you should
1: go pick them up. I mean, like, I feel like I need to pick her up if she's in. Like, I will be there for you. Right. you know. And I just will have to just in that moment, I'll just have to suck it up, even though i will be so terrified. I don't know. That's what yeah. I say now, but I haven't experienced yeah. it. So
0: yeah. So would you say for yourself that it's more terrifying the thought of other people vomiting than yourself?
1: Others, for sure. Others. Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. I was eventually
0: like that a hundred percent. Um, I got, I didn't vomit very often. And then I kind of got over that when I was, you know, not that old really, but I was still terrified of other people just triggered it. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, there's no way when I had a metaphobia I would ever have go I, as much as I may have wanted to go pick them up of course I it was lucky my husband fulfilled that role. Uh, he went and picked them up. Um, and mm-hmm. actually, the funny thing, it's a funny story. You know, We have three kids, and none of them ever called us during their teen years, but we had them sign this contract thing that if they were drinking too much or if someone else was that they would call and they would get no punishment and no judgment and no lecture, we would just come and get them. And so they we signed them all. Yeah. And then and then our son was about, I don't know, twenty five. He was living on his own and we get a call at like two o'clock in the morning and he's like, Dad, is that contract still valid? <laughs> Where you'll come pick us up? <laughs> And <laughs> my husband's like, yes yeah. I guess so. Like, so he had to go pick up him and his friend who both drank too much and they, you know, they both knew, like, oh no, now what how are we gonna get home? So you never know. Uh, but um Yeah, yeah, I think that definitely the kind of emetophobia that you have is easier to treat. It takes less time, and you'll find Pretty good success with it, and I think you'll find before too long, if you go into treatment, that you'll be able to pick those kids up in the car, and and it'll be fine. You know, you'll it, be. Fine. I hope so. Yeah, I really hope so. You'd be so, amazed. That... You'd be amazed at at how just working at exposure a little bit at a time, one step at a time, eventually you get all the way up to, you know, being able to. uh, go volunteer in a hospital or something. That's what I did, you know, volunteered in a hospital eventually. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, you know, you have been just a wonderful guest, Daria. I'm so glad that we connected. And uh, I think that uh, a lot of people are going to be really interested in what you had to say about alcohol and so on. And also uh, just about this kind of fear that, that, many, many people have of seeing or being near someone else who's sick and having to raise kids. Yeah. It's a real thing for sure. So, um, I wish you all the best. If you can stay kind of on the line here and I'll give you some resources, some people I know. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank Thank you you. so much. Bye-bye. Okay.